Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Do we start with the big news first, or do we save it till the end of the segment? Marty, what do you think we should do here with Shayna Goldman joining us in her regular time slot on Sabres Live? Big news. It's like buying a 50-50 ticket, because if we don't do it now, we may forget later. So big news (laughs) right now. (laughs) Well, what time's our pregame tomorrow? Tomorrow is going to be 6.30, I believe. Uh Uh-huh. So what time is Shana Goldman going to be making her (laughs) pregame debut on our pregame coverage on MSG? I think we should do 6.30 to 7 with Shana, but I know that's not going to happen, but we should do the whole pregame with Shana tomorrow. (laughs) We're excited, Shana. This is a nice big development for us, so thank you for being able to to accommodate that, and uh, are you excited for tomorrow as well? No, not at all. Of course, I'm pumped. (laughs) We get to talk about the savers. We get to talk about in the pregame and extend our weekly chats that we all love so much. Like this rules. I'm I'm excited to join you. Good, and and it's you know what we look for, especially in this window right now. But moving forward, it's just uh, kind of assessing matchups moving forward. The sabers on the road and and you know what they're up against along the way so we'll dive deeper into that tomorrow we're so thrilled that you'll be able to join us for that and obviously your writings lately on the athletic have been you know more uh, very much observing kind of who's hot who's not and that can apply to teams and individuals um if there was a concernometer for our show who are you more concerned about marty or me <laughs> Right now, I think I have to be about Marty. I mean, you're in the cold. You might be freezing. Yeah, you know what? I'm not concerned about me. Concerned about the pickup truck that just lost its plow and is missing a wheel right next to me as I was documenting (laughs) five people trying to work on that truck. But yeah, I'm a side of the road. Uh, I appreciate your concern, meaning that you care for my well-being. Uh, But um, I guess we'll take it back to hockey. Who are you most concerned about right now? And I don't want you to say the Sabres because we all have some concerns about the Sabres. But uh, who else are you more concerned about in the National Hockey League? It's actually the team that wasn't even on the concernometer because I felt like there was so much ink spilled on them, including by me, that I figured, let's table this for a minute and see the new coaching impact. But we need to talk about the Edmonton Oilers because, my God, they are a mess. And you watched that game against the Canes. And yes, the goaltending was bad. Stuart Skinner in that first period allowed, I think it was like 2.4 goals above expected. It wasn't good. But that defense was atrocious. And this is kind of your risk of changing systems, right? Because you have a team that was built a certain way to play, you know, man on man. And they changed to zone defense, which is not reinventing the wheel, right? A ton of teams around the league play that. And with the right coaching staff, you can implement it and teach the players how they need to adjust what they're acclimated to playing. And it feels like, one, they didn't change anybody. Thank you, management. Two, the players were are so unsure of themselves on how to play this system that, yes, you're changing coaches, but midseason you shouldn't expect a radical change in strategy suddenly, but ideally a new voice that's going to explain how to play the system differently. There's a difference between saying we're playing the system and actually teaching it, and that's not happening yet. And it's going to be a process, but, oh, my God, are they starting from the bottom because those players look completely lost out there. Evan Bouchard, especially. Uh, Cody Cece, I have no idea what he was doing. Darnell Nurse had mistakes. It is a team-wide issue. Are they going to find a way and or a person who can make some saves for them? 
That's the big question, right? We're all waiting to see who invests in goaltending, who moves a goaltender. And like, yes, I think it'd be exciting if we saw Linus Allmark on the move. But realistically, we know that's not going to happen right now. But it's the Alex Lyons of the world or the James Reimers. Will one of them be on the move? Will Dan Vladar be on the move? Because you have Wolf and Markstrom you can lean on in Calgary. Or does Calgary totally blow it up? There's options out there. They're not great. And when you're Edmonton, you don't have a ton of money. You know, you're, it, the pickings are a little slimmer. A team like New Jersey, I think, has a lot more flexibility to go for a goaltender <laughs> if they choose to do so. But uh, I think you have to do something. And who knows? Maybe they'll try Jack Campbell again. What do you have to lose? That money is Ugh. sunk and you're not getting out of it. But it, it feels like a lose-lose situation. So it puts mm. all the more pressure on the offense to play to their strengths and the defense to clean up whatever they are doing out there. Shayna, this or that, what was worse? And I know the first period and the game result was terrible. But the warm-up where Darnell Nurse took a puck to the face and then Stuart Skinner went to stop at the red line and slid all the way into the other team's zone, like almost to the far blue line, and then got his way back or the game. Like, it looked like a comedy of errors in that warm-up. And obviously, they got blown out in the game. Yeah, I feel like it was just bad vibes from the start. I wonder if one connected to the other. But then again... We haven't seen them have that bad of a warm-up, and they've had that bad of games. So I guess they're not correlated. They're just bad. Like, we can find any excuse to nitpick it, but I think we have to come down to the same point. Like, this team needs help. Wow. I could watch that video on loop. I really could. I, mean, I <laughs> It was something else. Can you imagine if he'd have taken down Piotr Kachetkov oh as he slid across God. the red line? Oh, oh boy. Yeah. That would have been even tougher because, right, Ronta started that game, and Ronta left after the first period, and then Kachetkov yes. took over. Like, then the Canes would have been, and that's another team, right? That is another team that has the <laughs> now total opposite of Edmonton, the yeah. best, you know, defensive structure that we know of from year to year, the strongest systems. And as it stands right now, they're what top five and expected goals against still as we expect them to be. And the goaltenders are struggling. So that's another yeah, team to throw on the goalie market. I did see a rumbling about Peter Morazic today as a potential for Edmonton. So, you know, it makes sense. I mean, Peter's been playing a lot the last couple of years. I know the, the contract is a little probably too steep. Um, so, yeah, I, I have to say, though, Marty, and I meant to ask you about this one before, like I, the Oilers have been struggling for a while now. So they, you know, we we probably heard just about every possible goaltender in connection with them. But I had to assume that you might have rolled your eyes when the Mackenzie Blackwood's name came up, because I, I don't know if you would see him as the answer there. I mean, well, he's not the answer long term, but he may be better. And I think he's better than what they have right now. And Mackenzie yeah. Blackwood has shown behind a bad team that he can make saves uh, when that's healthy, my concern. He though. Good. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah, he brings what... bad vibes, though. But then again, that would fit with Edmonton, right? Like, that's their MO. Just just wrangle all the bad vibes together and see what will make Connor McDavid finally explode, it's... because it feels like that's where they're heading. <laughs> well, uh, well, is Mike Smith available? That's number one. Let's oh go back God. or maybe bring, uh, you know, somebody from uh, Europe and, uh, you know, as they did a couple of times. But um I mean, at one point here, and I know people on social media are all coming up with their Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl trade idea, but are we like even getting close to something like this? Because that would be the maybe the one direction that the Oilers would need to go at some point. I feel like having Jeff Jackson in the organization might be what stops McDavid from requesting a trade. Because if anybody's going to look out for his best interest, we know. It's Jackson. Even if he doesn't talk to Connor about it, it's here's Connor Brown. Here is Chris Knobloch. Here is everybody that will make you happy. I think he will pull out all the stops. 
I would bet everything. And I, I felt this way before the season that Dry Saddle is the player to ask out first. And I would love to see that chaos. And he has another contract coming up too. So it makes it all the more interesting. If he doesn't want to stick around, there's even more pressure to do something because I mean, look, you move a player like Dry Saddle, you're losing the trade every single day of the week. But if yeah. you're going to try to kickstart something quickly, you need to do something like that significant to bring back that many pieces and he would be the one to do it. But I mean, I think they need to be a little bit worse. I think we need a little more chaos. What does a dry sidle trade look like? You know what? It's hard because in this league, we value stars. We value stars more than actual general managers do. We talk about how Correct. much money stars should make. We talk about what <laughs> stars should be worth via trade. We talk about maximizing them in the lineup. And NHL teams just are not in sync with us at all. Um but in that kind of deal, like I would expect numerous first round picks, numerous top prospects. Or if you're Edmonton, do you even go for that? And, you know, it, I think if you could get a bunch of first round picks, you can use them, you know, to fulfill your needs elsewhere versus yeah. just getting numerous <clears throat> players back. I don't think they would get any package of players back that would look good for them. Like this is this is a lose lose kind of deal. Yeah. So the way I look at it is go back to Eric Lindros trade from the Nordics to the Flyers and punch in players that would fit. Like that jump started the Nordics to win their cup with Colorado later, right? As they moved well, but, uh, with yeah. Forsberg and, and they brought in Ekstall and they had Duchesne, they had, they had uh, uh, I don't remember who else, but there was, there was a massive overhaul. Um, so I think it's almost like the blueprint is there, but nobody's going to give up that much in today's day and age. I feel like GMs don't want to do that. Look at Mark Stone. He brought back like nothing, not even a first round pick. And yes, he was a pending free agent, but there was a contract in place to be signed two mm. seconds later. Like players don't go for a ton. It, it just doesn't happen. Banners, you know, so brought back a lot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and look how that one's worked out. It's good. Exactly. The lightning are in a good spot. Leave them alone. And they're getting Vasilevsky back tonight. <laughs> so uh, I suspect that Tampa is going in the right direction. Um, what are the odds or the chances, oh Marty, that Frank <laughs> yes. Vetrano wins the Rocket Richard? <laughs> Shana, you can answer this. <laughs> um, you know, I'll go a nice 6%. Oh, that's, so I'm that's give him nice. 6%. I, I would like to give him 6%. He has been a breath of fresh air. I like Frank for Toronto. He has gotten moved from team to team because they have too much forward depth that it's not worth playing him on your third or fourth line. That's what happened in Boston. That's what happened in Florida. Mm -hmm. With the Rangers, he had a real top line role. You know, they needed yeah. he, it, it. The problem there was they were using him at Kreider's advantage, which meant going up against top competition, which he's just not built for, you know, to go up against top forwards specifically. But in Anaheim, as a secondary scorer on that, he's more than a secondary scorer. But in that role, in that capacity, it's a perfect place for him. And you see, I feel like Mason Tavish's development is going to be so good from this because he's in such an important role now. There's so much emphasis on that line. And he's mm -hmm. part of something every night. Like, that's the thing, right? It's about turning it around, not just being bad. It's about having meaningful games and being in it for most of it. And they're doing that. And a lot of it's because of Frank Petrano. I mean, that's one of the best surprises of the season. One shy of the okay. scoring lead right now in the NHL. Yeah, I know. He's been hot. And uh, I, I saw a funny quote. He actually got robbed by Samuel Montembeau the other day just to score later. And these two knew each other from their time 
down uh, in Florida, I believe. But uh, anyway, so it was kind of interesting. He says he's a great goal scorer and he's always been. So a lot of people are surprised, but some are not so surprised. So we talk about the teams that are, you know, on shaky grounds, but the hype, you talked also about the hypometer. Um, is, are you are you putting Quinn Hughes on your hype meter right now because of what he's doing? That game McCarr used the other night, like that was pretty hyped up. Oh, yeah. And for all the right reasons, like these are the matchups I feel like we crave and we're not getting enough of. Like the Battle of Alberta was kind of our moment. Everyone was so excited about it. Now we're not getting it because both teams are struggling. So to have the Canucks abs be such a, a marquee matchup, I think is super exciting. But yeah, Quinn Hughes has been excellent. He finally has a capable partner. He's looking way better in his minutes when he goes up against top competition that they're breaking even below the score sheet. Yes, there's a lot of luck. Yes, there's incredible um goaltending to help but mm -hmm. he's shooting the puck more and that helps but i love this head-to-head -head against mccarr right now because mccarr i feel like we're are are we getting kale mccarr fatigue already because i don't think his incredible yeah. season is being talked up enough i exactly. thought last year he was the best defenseman in the league period the end he missed 20 games and that hurt his norris case and this year he's even better and yes he has a huge swing of quality of teammates that few players can boast especially on his defense partner you know on his pairing alone but he has just been absolutely positively fantastic. And then you go to that next year and you still have the Eric Carlson's of the world and the Charlie McAvoy's of the world and the Mario Haskinen's. Like it makes mm -hmm. for a fun race for, I think, the award that sparks the most interesting conversation each year. Yeah. I, I don't know how you could argue that anymore because there are simply so many defensemen mm -hmm. that, that, that capture your attention. And look, I mean, I know he's now started from the back of the grid basically but you know the way Rasmus Dahlin has shown here in the last week plus it might not be long before we're talking about Dahlin in the same way we were talking about him for at least four months last year before it started to finally you know kind of calm down uh, you know late January uh, from that point on I mean you must see that too right now in, in Dahlin and how how, it would be frightening to think of the Sabres without Dahlin at the moment. Yeah, right. And you see how the team's tightening up defensively, and that's really important for them. That was one of the biggest tasks. And now it's figuring out how not to let the defense weigh the offense down, which is a challenge every team would face in this position. You look at a team like, say, the New York Islanders when Barry Trotz came in. They had all the defense in the world, and at a certain point, it hurts your offense, and you have to figure out a way to balance it out and keep making adjustments. As the offense gets better in Buffalo, and that's going to help when Quinn returns and eventually, you know, our friend, Tajay Thompson returns, then it will kick everything up a notch. And that's going to help Darlene even more. I could see him being in that top 10 part of the race. The problem for him is that the top three, top two are on such a high level and have so much hype around him. And this is an award that if you have hype and if you have momentum, you're probably winning it. Um, that's going to be the difference, I think, here. But it would be nice to see him join into the race. And if he can do it in the second half instead of the first half, I think that's even more meaningful. Absolutely. Um, one of the big talk here in Buffalo today is obviously Zach Benson playing in his 10th game. Duffer and I are like, it doesn't mean anything. It's game number 10. But the goal he scored in Washington on Wednesday night was spectacular. Um, does he have a, a, a very good impact? Like we look at him and we look at the numbers and how he plays and we think he has a very good impact with the Sabres and trying to create. But when you look at it from the outside, where do you see Zach Benson's impact with the Sabres? So I think his first two games of the season were really good. That game against the Islanders, um, his second of the season was excellent. I think it's his best game score of the season. 
when he came back into the lineup these last three games playing with Casey Middlestad and JJ Paterka, who has been this quiet spark for the Sabres, I would, I would say, yes. because we're so focused on the top line, rightfully so. That line has been excellent. It's been about 25 minutes of ice time, which is going to magnify every single result and blow it out of proportion. They're controlling 70% of the expected goal share. Their actual goals numbers are very good. The on-ice shooting percentage is almost 34%. It's not going to last, but they're doing everything right below the surface that if they can build on that, that is one that is a really solid second line that they can form. And it has a little bit of everything on it. So, you know, it's a strength to have. And then if they're playing this well when Quinn returns, it's just going to spark bigger questions. And that that's the problem you want to have. How do you fit yeah. someone in because these lines are playing so well? Like, that is the best problem. More along those lines tomorrow night when you join us for pregame yes. coverage. Sabres and Devils, we're on the air at 6.30. Can't wait to see you then, Shana. Can't wait. Thank you. All right. We're back after this to wrap Sabres live in a moment. Stay with us. 